I once was sad and had a negative approach on life, but because of Jesus, I am happy and full of life. I was a drug addict. My life was in shambles. My marriage was destroyed. I was selfish and sinful. Though all because of Jesus, I've been restored, redeemed, delivered, recovered. I once was lost, but all because of Jesus, I am found. All because of Jesus. All because of Jesus. All because of Jesus. All right, come on, everybody. Aren't you glad for the grace of God in your life today? Can we thank God for life change? Welcome to church. Man, I'm so glad you're here with us today, kicking off a brand new series, all because of Jesus. You know what I love about Cultivate Church is when you walk through the doors here at any campus at any time, like when you look around, like we're all just a bunch of people that need Jesus. Like nobody in here, nobody is on try number one at this thing. Like we've all got a story like that. Like I once was this I once was lost, but man, because of Jesus, he's changed my life. And maybe you're here today and maybe that's something you haven't quite experienced yet. My hope is uh, that by the end of this day or by maybe the end of this month, man, something happens in your life that you know has been marked by Jesus. This is not just another Sunday. It's not just another time. We believe that the presence of God, the power of God can speak to you at any moment and any circumstance. And today could be that day that he does something in your life. And uh, this series we're kicking off all because of Jesus all month long, we're going to be talking about life change. We're going to be talking about all of the things, the things that happen in our life as a result of who he is. And that happens. We know this. We believe it. God designed it. Salvation comes through Jesus alone, the blood of Jesus applied to our life. But you know this, that he also surrounds us with people. Healing comes in our life through community, community. I'd encourage you, uh, jump into a small group. Small groups are due today. I'd love for you to lead a small group. Uh, If you want to lead one, you can go to cultivatechurch.tv, fill out the form, lead a small group. But I would encourage you, man, be a part of a small group this fall semester. It's not just another thing to put on your calendar. We believe this. We believe that Sundays are awesome. They're really, really great around here at both camp. And we love gathering and worshiping together. But y'all, life change, like authentic life change, it doesn't happen just in here. Uh, It happens in community. That's where it happens. Healing comes through being in relationship with other like-minded people. And we would love for you to get into a small group. Now, here's my uh, challenge to you. Maybe you'll get into one this next week. You'll go, all right, I'm going to give that a shot. And you get into a small group and you're like, man, all these people, they're weird. That's okay. Just don't go back. All right. Like I'm giving you permission. Don't go back. Don't tell anybody. Just find a new one. Just find another small group. I promise you look enough, you're going to find one in which you fit in. Because if you think they're all weird, guess what? They think you're weird too. <laughs> and, and it's okay. You'll find somebody that you can mesh with and do life with, and, uh, and it's going to make a difference in your life, okay? Uh, go ahead and pull out your notes. We're kicking off this new series, All Because of Jesus. Here's the, our theme verse, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30. It says this, it's because of him that you are in Christ Jesus. I love that. Who has become for us the wisdom from God? That is our righteousness, holiness, and our redemption. Today's our first installment of All Because of Jesus. All month long, we're going to be bringing a series of messages that explains the reality of what happens in our life because of Him. 
not just because of him, but because of what he did, because of him going to the cross on our behalf. Y'all, it changes everything. And uh, as we think through all of the things that have happened because of Jesus today, I want to talk about, I think, I believe, one of the most powerful statements that we can actually say, all because of Jesus, I'm forgiven. Come on, anybody thankful for forgiveness today? Um, forgiveness. Man, what a powerful statement. Because of Jesus, I'm forgiven. The debt that I couldn't pay was paid by him. Our sins are forgiven because of him. Here's the truth. Y'all ready? There's literally nothing that any of us could have ever done or could ever do that could pay the debt of our sins. Nothing. You can't be good enough. The gospel says it this way, that our righteousness on your best day, go ahead and put your best day in your mind. Like y'all know, you know you had a day that you're like, this was it, all cylinders are running, this is my best day. Uh, like couldn't have done anything wrong, right? Our best day, our righteousness is as filthy rags. Like God's holiness is a different standard that we just cannot compete with. The wages of sin is death. It could only ever be forgiven only. It could only ever be forgiven. No way anything, any of us could have ever paid it back. And here's the cool thing. Listen, it could only have ever been Jesus that would have ever taken that deal. There's only one shot at this thing. Jesus was the only one that would have ever taken the deal because of his great love for us. As a matter of fact, the Bible says it this way in Acts chapter 17. It says that all of this stuff happened. All of it happened in hopes that one day we would feel our way back to God. Now, I know when we think about it this way, when we think about like things that would blow our minds, like the omnipresence of God and uh, Christology and all of who God is, and he's omnipresent everywhere at the same time and omnipotent, he's all powerful and all of those things. And like, like we really can't grasp who he really is, but to think that God actually did something in human terms is the, what we would say is pretty reckless. Like it was pretty, a pretty bad bet on humanity. The Bible says that while we were still sinners, Christ died for, had a pet bird before. Uh, yeah, some of you, you, you all know I had one growing up. Birds are crazy. Like they're just, they're insane. And we think they're cool. I had a bird that could whistle the Andy Griffith tune. It was so cool. But that bird was mean. He hated humans. He hated everybody. And he would like lure you in just so he could bite you. You know what I'm saying? Like his whistling of the Andy Griffith tune was simply just to lure you in so he could eat your face if he could get a chance. Birds are mean, right? And this bird, she got it as a pet and, and the bird was just vulgar. It just cussed at her every day and told her how awful she was and, and tried to bite her every time she picked it up. And one day, like she said, enough is enough. I am done with this bird. She grabbed that bird and fought it all the way to the fridge and threw it in the freezer. <laughs> I know, right? And that bird, she said, was just yelling from inside of the freezer, obscenities and talking about how bad she was for just a few seconds. And all of a sudden it went silent. She sat there for a minute or two and she goes, oh my God, I killed the bird, I killed it. And so she opened the freezer and there the bird sits just staring, just shocked at her and started apologizing. I'm so sorry, please forgive me. I'll never say another bad thing to you again. I'll be the best pet, I promise. And she goes, well, okay, all right, well, let's go. She picked the bird up and started walking off. And he said, I just got one question. What did that chicken do? <laughs> Some of y'all, you'll get it, right? Like scared. Like all of us have done things in our life that needs forgiveness, right? Some of us, 
Some of us don't realize we need it until something like that happens, right? Like we don't realize we need it, but here's the truth. I mean, I mean, go ahead and let everybody off the hook today. All of us need it. All of us need forgiveness. It's for everybody because everybody needs it. None of us are on num- try number one at this thing. None of us are, have, have reached perfection. As a matter of fact, before the vast majority of us had ever realized, reached a moment in life that we realized that we could even begin to strive for any form of excellence, we have already screwed it up. Like we'd already messed it up in our lives. We all need forgiveness. So over the next few minutes, I'm gonna pray. And over the next few minutes, I want us to open God's word and discover how can we encounter God through forgiveness? What kind of difference could that make in my life today, this week, if I began to look at my life through that lens, all right? So let's pray together and we'll dive in. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, for your grace through your word. Um, that it is for us, that we weren't put on an island here by ourselves just to try to figure this thing out. But we believe that your word is alive and breathing. It's for us, it corrects us, it inspires us, it shapes us, it molds us. And ultimately, we believe it equips us for every good work. And so God, I pray today as we open your word, this isn't just a presentation. It isn't just uh, some words that we're reading or, or something that we're saying. But God, I pray, I believe this with all of my heart that through the power of the Holy Spirit, you're gonna speak directly to somebody's life today and it's gonna make a difference. You'll get all the credit and all the honor for it. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, number one, if you're taking notes, and I hope you're taking notes, you remember 80% of the things you write down. And if you don't write something down, all you're gonna remember is my dumb parrot story, okay? So write some things down, all right? Number Number one, we believe that, that forgiveness is eternal. It's eternal. I love Psalm 103, verses 8 through 12. It says this, The Lord is compassionate and merciful, slow to get angry. He's filled with unfailing love. It's not constant. He's not, he will not constantly accuse us nor remain angry forever. I love this. He doesn't punish us for all of our sins. He doesn't deal harshly with us as we deserve for his unfailing love towards those who fear him is great as, is as great as the mountains, as the height of the heavens above the earth. I love this, verse 12, this one's huge. He has removed our sins as far as the east is from the west. He would never bring it up again. Anybody thankful for somebody who would actually forgive and forget, right? That's a hard term for us to grasp in our humanity because the truth is none of us can actually forgive and forget, right? We've all tried that. We've all walked through that, but anybody ever forgive something from somebody? You marry people in here, you know for a fact, like that's true because I'm trying to forgive what my wife said six months ago, but she was just mean and I can't seem to forget it, right? Like we've been there. It's hard to forgive and forget, but only God can actually pull that off. He said, I'll throw your sins as far as the east is from the west. That's awesome, because you know why? If you start walking west, guess what you'll never, ever run into? East. You'll never, ever run into it. So it's hard for us to grasp that kind of forgiveness. My wife and I started dating. I was 15. She was 16. I got an older lady. Um, She was driving... 
She, she drove her mama's minivan. Um, and it wasn't like cool, I know there's no cool minivans, I get it. We are minivan family, I get it. Uh, but it was not a cool minivan of any stretch. You know what I mean? It was like the old school, like straight slanted kind of minivan. My wife called it a grocery getter. Uh, but you know what? We had a vehicle and we got away. So she would come pick me up. And this one day we were dating, she came and got me at my parents' house and we were kind of rough housing. Uh, is anybody else in here guilty of just taking things too far sometimes? Anybody? Uh, just me? Just me? Okay. Uh, it's me for sure. I always take it a little too far. And um, so this particular day, we were goofing off, roughhousing. My mom was in the room and I had this like split second, awesome idea that I was going to pick my then girlfriend up and sling her at my mother. I know. Oh, um, that was a horrible idea. But I did it. I followed through. You know what I mean? And y'all, I followed through. I mean, I swung hips in perfect synchronization with the rest of my body. It would have not, it couldn't have given a better swing in any other time in my life, except my wife, uh, her head hit the side of a wall um, like a cannonball. <laughs> Dent in the wall. Danielle goes limp on the floor. <laughs> Immediately I thought, God, I've killed her. She's dead bad decision. My mom's like, oh my God. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to jail. I'm going to prison. You know, 15 years old. I just killed my girlfriend, right? This is not going to fare well for future girlfriends. Like it's not going to go well. A uh, few seconds go by and my wife begins to wake up. Thank God. And it's like that whole thing. I mean, I knocked her out cold, Ooh, you know, like the whole thing as she's coming to. And uh, eventually like She's okay, and I was partly really worried about her and partly really worried about my future. You know what I mean? Like, how is this gonna help? Like, get out, you've killed somebody, now what? Um, but she did, she survived, come on, she survived. Thank God, she's here today, right? We all know she survived, but here's what I know. I, to this day, man, y'all, that was 25 years ago. To this day, I can't pick up a kid, a human, nothing, without my wife going, hey, you remember that time? <laughs> Like, don't kill my kids. You remember that time? My, my son, Shepard, and I, we love to wrestle. Uh, he loves to wrestle. He's getting tougher now. And now he's getting to the point where he can actually hurt when he swings. So there's prob the probability of me actually doing something like that to hurt him is increasing as he gets older. And, um, and my wife will never, ever let me live the down the fact that I knocked her out one time. Twenty-five years, one time's not that big of a deal. You know what I mean, right? Like we've all done things in our lives that we don't think we'll ever live down. Like I can't get past it. I, yeah, it was stupid, but why? When's enough going to be enough? When do I have to stop paying for that mistake? When do I have to stop walking through the consequences of those circumstances? The truth is, only heaven, only heaven can truly forget. That's why many of us have walked through repentance of sin and we've walked through restoration through Jesus, but for some reason, things keep coming back up from the past. Anybody been there? Can I, get, can I set you free this morning? Like if you've truly repented of your sin and you've walked through the forgiveness that can only come through Jesus, the only person that would ever bring up your past, his name's the devil, Satan, the great enemy of our faith. The Bible says that he's at heaven right now. He's, he's like in the throne room, like uh, telling the Lord everything 
thing on our behalf. First John says there's this, there's this account going on in heaven. There's this courtroom and on one side is the enemy and he is literally just casting everything I've ever done, every mistake I've ever made. Anybody got some skeletons in your closet that you hope and pray nobody on earth ever finds out. He's telling him day in and day out. And then the Bible says though that first John says, I want you not to sin, but if you do, we have an advocate. Oh, I love that word, right? That's a, it isn't just a stranger, man. He is fighting on our behalf. He's advocating for our lives, not just for our lives here, but for our souls, an advocate with the father that, that is fighting on our behalf saying, God, I get it. Yeah, they did it, but look what's applied to their life. It's the blood that I shed on their behalf. He's forgiving us like it's eternal. It's for once for all. So maybe you're here today and you've struggled and you, you are struggling with the fact that how could I like walk out this Christian life Man, if people really knew who I really was, man. Maybe you're like me. I grew up, man, the church I grew up in, I got saved 187 times uh, like every week because it was like hellfire and brimstone. And like, it didn't matter how secure I was on Friday. Come Sunday, I was always questioning. Like, am I really? Like, am I really? Am I really? Is I, am I really forgiven? You know what I mean? Like, you don't have to worry. The grace of God is good, y'all. His mercy is new every morning. Forgiveness, y'all, it's eternal. Eternal. It's eternal. It's eternal. It's good. It's good for us every day. So what's the point? Listen, if you've repented of your sin, somehow it's always thrown up. Y'all, that's not, the, that's not God. So here's a good reminder. When, it, when you're walking out this faith journey and somehow the mistakes in your life are brought up or thrown into your face, all you got to do, and I know it's cliche, but you just need to tell them who God is in your life. Man, I've been forgiven of that. You can just you can take that to the bank, right? You can do whatever you want to go do with all of that stuff, but the grace of God has been applied to my life. Number two, this one's huge. Write this one down. It's for everyone. It's for everybody. Now, I know, like, when we talk things like this, it's really good to get people all pumped about forgiveness for me, and it's eternal, and all of us are, like, thinking through, categorizing all the dumb things we've done in our life, and we're like, whew, that's good news. Thank God he's forgiven me. But, like, like it's really easy for us to judge ourselves by our intentions and judge everybody else by their actions. It's really good, easy to do that. But look at what Revelation says. The, uh, verse, chapter 22, verse 17 says this, the spirit and the bride say, come. Let who? Let's say it together. Let anyone. Say it real loud. Let anyone. Let anyone who hears this say, come. Let anyone who is thirsty, come. Let anyone who desires drink from the water of life freely. It's for everybody. It's not just for you. It's not just for me. Culture loves to pick and choose who's worthy of forgiveness, doesn't it? And haven't we been taught that in our own life? Like if my political party does something dumb, it's permissible. But if your political party does something dumb, off with their heads. <laughs> like, like if I do something stupid, I need the grace of God. My brother over here does the same thing, something stupid. He deserves whatever he gets. You've all been sitting at the news uh, in, the, in the living room at some point in your life, and the news comes on with somebody who's done something stupid, something horrendous, and we've all said it. If you're in the South, you've heard it said, they need to just take them out back and shoot them. They're not worthy to be alive. Like, we've said that. Like, why? It's because we're conditioned. 
We judge ourselves by our intentions. We judge everybody else by their actions. And the reality is forgiveness isn't just for us. It's not just for me. It's for everybody, including the people who have wronged you and wounded you. It's for them too. There's a great story in John chapter eight. It's a famous story. If you've read much of the gospels, uh, it's about a woman that's actually labeled in most of your Bibles. If you open up the Bible, the, the, the little heading is actually labeled woman caught in adultery. Isn't that crazy? There's a, there's a story that Jesus is there in John chapter eight and it says that the Pharisees and religious leaders caught this woman in adultery. They caught her in the act. And the Bible says in, in chapter eight that they drug her naked out in the streets, intending to catch Jesus, intending to try to trick him. And they wanted him to confirm what the law declared that she was worthy of death. Isn't it interesting in this story, it is to me, that only the woman was drug out in the street. Only the woman was caught in the act of adultery. Isn't that crazy? Last time I checked, for adultery to take place, it takes two. Right? I mean, come on, y'all. I mean, it's not rocket science, right? Like, she was caught somehow, some way, the man was pardoned. And she was drug out into the street. And I love what Jesus says. The Bible says, yep, you're right. She deserves death. Go ahead, grab some stones. But let the person with no sin cast the first stone. And I love what Jesus did. The Bible says that he knelt down and he began to write in the sand. Now, theologians, there's all kinds of questions, right? There's no, there's no absolute of what he actually wrote in the sand, but I think we can kind of, uh, uh, kind of think through what he said because there was an order in which the people left. The Bible says that the men began to walk off according to their age. I legitimately believe this. You can't, we can't necessarily prove it, but based on that circumstance, I think Jesus began to categorize every sin all of these men had committed because they walked away individually certain circumstances. I think he was alphabetizing it. I think he was like, let's just get down to the reality of what's going on. Y'all go ahead. Go ahead. Man with, enough, with like no sin, go ahead. Y'all go ahead. Number one, this is what you did. Number two, this is what you did. Oh, yeah. This is what you did. Like started writing it off. And you could tell, like I know those guys got big eyed and they were like, okay, let's go ahead and walk on out, right? She's left there by herself, humiliated in front of everybody. And Jesus says something, hey, where's your accusers? She said, I don't see them. They're not here. And he said, he said, you're right. Neither do I. Go and what? Sin no more. Go and sin no more. He began writing this thing out. He righted a wrong in that moment. He made it clear, I believe, in that moment that forgiveness, it's not just for the elite. It's not just for me. It's not just for those who think, well, yeah, but I had good intentions. I didn't intend to do it, to get it, to get it, for, for it to get that out of control. So I deserve more forgiveness than the other person who seems as if they may have done it intentionally or maliciously. No, Jesus said, it's not just for the elite. It's for everybody. It's for all people. Verse 10, where are your accusers, right? He didn't justify her sin. What did he say? Go and sin no more. He just forgave her of her sin. He didn't justify it. It was clear that her sin deserved death. It was also clear that everyone's sin deserved death. Not just her, 
who happened to be caught in the moment. Y'all know the difference between her sin cast out into the middle of the city and my sin and your sin? She was just caught. They just knew what hers was. I've learned this, that forgiveness is for everyone because everyone needs forgiveness. All of us, every one of us. There's not a person in this room that doesn't need the grace of God to be applied to your life. Forgiveness, y'all, it's for everybody. And I know that's hard to think through because it also means it's for those people in which you can't seem to get over and forgive them. And that's why, number three, you need to know this, forgiveness is essential. It's eternal, it's for everybody, and it's essential. Jesus goes on to talk about it in Matthew chapter six. His, his disciples come up to him and they go, Jesus, teach us how to pray. Man, we can't, y'all ever know somebody in your life that, man, they can just pray? I mean, I got some friends and I'm like, man, I just wish, like they can pray. Uh, and like Jesus was one of those people, right? Obviously, because he prayed a lot. And uh, the son of God, all that good stuff, right? So he, says, he said, when you pray, pray like this. Our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. May your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day the food that we need. Forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. He teaches them this prayer. And then he goes on. He has to double back because something shocked them in that prayer. Verse 14, he says, if you forgive those who sin against you, then your heavenly father will forgive you. But, everybody say but. If you refuse to forgive others, your heavenly father will not forgive your sins. Wait a minute, what? There's a big caveat right there. And he, it was so important. He had just taught them how to pray. Like, like we know the, the Lord's prayer really is an outline, right? Hey, start with worship. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Like he's going through this outline of how we should pray. And our prayer life should consist of worship. It should consistently consist of, of adoration. It should consistently consist of actually asking for God's, uh, God to meet needs in our life. God, let me tell you what's going on. Here's the things that I need. And consistently, it should Require it should also be filled with our forgiveness towards others. That's our prayer life. Forgive us our sins as I'm forgiving those who have aughts against me, who have sinned against me. And then he doubles down. Oh, by the way, that, that, that thing, it's the one thing that if you don't do it, you won't receive it. Isn't that huge? The only thing. Like, I'm gonna make sure your needs are met. He's gonna do that. Like, hey, thanks for worshiping me. My presence is gonna be there. But if you don't choose to forgive, then you can write that off. That's not happening. He gives an illustration in Matthew chapter 18. There's another story that he talks about. Peter, uh, Peter was notorious. Uh, he was like the disciple that had the biggest mouth and the biggest foot. Anybody know people like that? Like, you anybody got friends that like, man, at the right, all the time, they are good at just sticking their foot right in their mouth. And it's almost like they just got a gifting for it. They do it at the most prestigious time. Like every time, Peter was that guy. Like he was the one. And so he walks up to Jesus. And I can only imagine who's in his mind when he's thinking this. You know you don't ask questions without already having what you think is an answer in your mind. And so he goes to Jesus. He said, Jesus, I got an important question, man. 
How many times do I got to forgive these people? Like seven times is enough? Well, we don't know what, what doesn't really in context right there. That's actually Jewish tradition. Like there was a Jewish tradition that allowed you to forgive somebody so many times before enough was enough. Like they're never gonna learn. Why do I gotta keep forgiving them? And then Jesus says something to combat what tradition said. He said, no, Peter, not seven, 70 times seven. Now I know some of y'all are like, okay, let's do the math. That many times, that's exactly the amount. No, no, no. What he was getting at, essentially he was saying, as many times as it takes, Whatever it takes, you forgive them. And Jesus then begins to tell a pretty convicting story. And it's really, if we get into the context of it, it's a story. Are you ready? He talks about a king who had determined that he was going to settle all of his debts. And so he goes and he gets a couple of his servants. And one particular servant owed him a thousand bags of gold. And he goes to this servant. He said, hey, I'm calling your debt. You owe me that money, pay me. And the guy's like, bro, I don't have it. I can't pay you. Uh, modern day money, that's a, that's a little over a million dollars is what they say, probably a little more than that at this point. A little over a million dollars is what he owed. The king couldn't do it. And the king said, that's okay. I'm just gonna go ahead and sell your wife and kids as payment, right? What? So he freaks out, begs, gets on hands and knees, begs him for more time. Somehow the king has empathy and compassion. And not only does he, he doesn't worry about giving him more time, he cancels his debt. Keep that in mind. Everybody say forgiven. He forgave his debt, deleted it. You no longer owe me this money. We're not gonna have a meeting like this again. It's done. You don't owe me anything. Can you imagine? The guy's like, whoo, thank God, right? Goes out, walks outside. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 18 that as he's walking out, he runs across a fellow servant who happened to owe him a hundred bags of silver. Roughly, roughly a couple hundred bucks. Now, put yourself in these shoes. I know we can just look at it and go, man, that's a big, big discrepancy. But think about you uh, by the skin of your teeth getting out just then in the moment, like being forgiven and you're walking out going, oh my God, I almost died. Like, like what, how, thank God that happened. And then you see somebody that owes you money. Probably a lot of people owed him money. And he goes, the Bible says, and chokes the guy. Like, hey man, give me my money. And he's like, I don't have your money. Give me more time. And this guy in his anger, probably in his fear because he had just been forgiven of all of that debt, he says, nope, not gonna work. Has him thrown into prison until he can repay the debt. Word gets back to the king. You can believe what this guy did. Man, not an hour ago, you forgave him over a million dollars and he just had a guy thrown in prison over a hundred dollars. Well, the king calls him back. Yeah, I know. Calls him back and he tells him, what the heck, man? I just, gave, I just forgave you a, a million dollars. You can't forgive a hundred? Listen to what it says. The Bible says that the king revoked his forgiveness, had him thrown into prison and tortured until he could repay the debt. Listen to what Jesus says. It's not in your notes. Go ahead and write this down. This one's huge. It's in Matthew chapter 18, verse 35. This one's a sobering thought. This is how our heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother and sister from your heart. What? Here's what I know. I know there are lots of people who have been forgiven of much and who have refused to walk in forgiveness themselves and you're being tortured emotionally, mentally, spiritually, you're being tortured. You go, yeah, man, being tortured, that's awful. Yeah, it's awful. 
We can't live in unforgiveness and think the enemy's not winning in our life. It's destroying your relationships. It's destroying marriages. You see, forgiveness is essential because unforgiveness poisons our souls. It's essential because unforgiveness does more harm to me than it does the person that I need to forgive. Forgiveness isn't justification of a wrong, y'all. It's the deletion of a debt. I'm not telling you to go to that person who somehow you're offended by and justify all of the things that they did. I'm telling you to cancel the debt because it's doing more harm to you than it is to them. It's doing more damage to your life than it is in their life. Unless you learn, unless you can figure out a way to cancel the debt in your life, I promise you, you're going to be tortured through this soul, through this, through this circumstance. It's not God doing it. It's the reality of where it's at. Why is forgiveness so important? Because I think God understood it. Jesus understood it more than anything. It'll poison you. It'll mess you up. I want to pray with you. Will you bow your heads and close your eyes? And our band's going to come. They're going to play some music. Nothing funny or weird. I promise it's going to happen. I believe this is a holy moment between you and God. And this is my hope that you wouldn't walk out of this door today not reconciling something with the Lord. Wherever you're tuning in online, maybe that's you. You're walking through a fence. You're walking through hurt. Can I tell you something? This is a, a, a principle that I've learned to live by. You know that you can... You can forgive without an apology. I know some of you through this whole day, through this whole message, somebody has thought, well, I'll forgive them as soon as they apologize. Y'all know that's, that's not even a biblical principle. What, you mean it's not? I mean, we walk in repentance, yeah. But do y'all know that the work for forgiveness was already done before we ever even knew we needed a savior? Romans says it this way in chapter five. It says, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That before we ever understood or needed forgiveness, it was already provided for when we asked for it. You can forgive without an apology. Jesus would never command us to do something that he doesn't make possible for us to do. Forgiveness, y'all, it's not a suggestion. It's a command. It's a command. And here's what I know. There are people in this room who are walking through spiritual pain, not because God hadn't forgiven you, but because you haven't let the offense go. And as good as forgiveness is for us, when we receive it, when we give it, it's even as equally as more. Who do you need to forgive today? Who do you need to let off the hook? Whose offense do you need to let go? Because my contingent, my faith, my forgiveness is contingent on my forgiveness. Maybe you're here today and it all begins with Jesus. Maybe you don't have a relationship with Jesus. Maybe this whole morning you've literally thought, there's no way he would forgive me. That sounds like good news. I, I've gone too far. I've done too much. I'm, I'm struggling, man. I don't want to do bad, but I keep, I keep doing it. I don't want to do wrong, but I keep finding ways to mess things up. Paul said the same thing in Romans chapter 6 and 7. I don't want to do wrong. I've just found that there's this thing within me. It's a sin nature within me that I, every time I want to do right, I keep messing it up. 
But then he says something so profound. He said, oh, but I'm so thankful for the grace of God that those who are in Christ Jesus are, there's no more condemnation. And maybe your difference is you're just not in Christ Jesus yet. And you need a relationship with him. And you would simply say these words, Father, forgive me of my sin. I'm so sorry. I've done it in my own strength, my own abilities. I've been walking in the pain of my decisions. But today I accept the grace of God over my life. Jesus, I accept you as my savior. Forgive me of my sin. From this day forward, I'm gonna follow you as Lord of my life. Thank you for salvation. And Father, I pray for my family today in the name of Jesus. God, every person under the sound of my voice walking through the pain and torture of unforgiveness. Oh, that they would begin to cancel that debt. Oh, that they would walk and, and, and just admit, God, verbally communicate forgiveness. And God, when they wake up tomorrow and their feelings tell them to, to not forgive, they, they tell their feelings to take a back seat and they say, I forgive you. As many days as it takes, as many times as it takes, I forgive you. I forgive you. We're canceling that debt. We're tired of poisoning our souls. Holy Spirit, I pray that you step in and you begin to reconcile and do what only you can do. God, that we recognize when we walk out of this place, walking in obedience to your word, that you can do exceedingly abundantly above and beyond anything we ask, think, or imagine. And so God, we're gonna walk in the freedom of forgiveness in, this, in Jesus' name. God, you're gonna get all the honor and all the glory for it. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, 1015. Can you celebrate Jesus this morning? Come on, he's worthy.